Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 9, 1 and 2. Once again, Acts 9, 1 and 2. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he felt pretty good about it. You see, those heretics kept defiantly proclaiming that the long-promised Messiah had come and that he was Jesus of Nazareth, the man who everybody knew had died by crucifixion. Yet they were calling him Lord and spreading his name among the people like a cancer. The Jewish leaders had been clear, firm, and oh so incredibly patient with them, even as that rowdy bunch publicly accused them of killing God's anointed one. First they warned them, then they punished them, and still these common, uneducated, stubborn people persisted. So with the council's support, Saul had really turned up the heat. Like a fever burning away infection in the body, he hoped to do no less than to destroy their faith in Jesus. Yet like cockroaches fleeing the light, no sooner would Saul strike in one city than they'd turn up in the next, still preaching Jesus. Saul's raging fury led him to persecute them even to foreign cities. And that put him here, on the road to Damascus. Appreciate, though, that it wasn't meanness motivating Saul to do all of this. It was zeal. It was his zealousness for God that led him to persecute the way, even to the death. Saul wasn't anti-religion, nor was he promoting immorality. No, the reason he persecuted the church violently and tried to destroy it was because of his faith in God. As he would later look back and recall, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. As a Pharisee, he had lived according to the strictest party of the Jewish faith. He knew the scriptures educated at the feet of the renowned Rabbi Gamaliel. And he had always sought to live in all good conscience before God. So like Phineas had ended a plague brought on ancient Israel by their idol worship, by thrusting a spear through a man and the Midianite woman that he was sleeping with. Saul sought to be the spear that ended this plague of the way of Jesus. Looking back on those days, Saul would describe his mindset this way. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. But then he'd also look back and say, But I had acted ignorantly, in unbelief. Ignorant? This was a guy who had been trained as a rabbi in Jerusalem. 
He could read, write, and reason very well. He was fluent in multiple languages. He was from a major Roman city and skilled in trade. He was one of the few Jewish people who was privileged to be a birthright Roman citizen. Yet despite all of that knowledge and experience, despite all those advantages and all that zeal, he was wrong. Instead of purging the wicked, his actions made him a blasphemer and persecutor. Instead of being God's instrument, he had become God's insolent opponent. Like the prophet Isaiah had said, and Jesus so often quoted, Saul could see, but he didn't perceive. His eyes were closed when it came to Jesus. And without Jesus, we're blind. No matter how much we know, or what advantages we grew up with, or how hard we worked, or what all we've accomplished, We might be good people who tend not to do things out of blatant meanness. Maybe we're even people who truly want to please God. We pray before we make big decisions. We ask Him for our daily needs. If we were raised in the church, like Saul was, maybe we even have a little of his pride at how blameless we are. Not to say that we've never sinned, just that there's some sins that other people commit that we never even tried and still even with all of that we're blind without Jesus we can be making big plans and genuinely desire to do good like Saul we can claim the support of important people your boss at work thinks that you're great leaders in the community respect what you're doing people at church pull you aside and tell you how much they agree with you But without Jesus, we're still wrong. No matter your education or experience or intentions, you can find yourself heading the wrong way. We can pray, your will be done, but then go out and work directly against what God really wants done. And the only way to change that is to see Jesus. As we continue looking at Acts chapter 9 and verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. There was no question that what Saul experienced here was divine. For it to suddenly become so bright that it knocked him down, that had to be a God thing. Just look at the end of the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel's first chapter. Brightness all around 
is what the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord looks like to human eyes. And when Ezekiel saw it, he fell on his face and heard the voice of one speaking just like Saul did. Yet what Saul heard had to be shocking. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was so zealous, so strict and blameless. He always kept a clear conscience before God. Who could this heavenly voice accusing him of persecution possibly belong to? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Saul's whole world came crashing down. If that was Jesus... Speaking to him. Jesus. Alive. Then the council had been wrong for killing him. And they had lied when they said his disciples stole his body. If Jesus was speaking to him from the light of God's presence. Then Saul had been wrong about him. He'd been wrong about Jesus' disciple Stephen. In a rage, they had stoned that disciple to death for saying that he saw Jesus at God's right hand. But he hadn't been blaspheming. None of the disciples that Saul had been threatening, beating, arresting, killing, had been blaspheming. They weren't the blasphemers. He was. Ironically, the encounter left Saul physically the way that he had been spiritually. He was blinded. His eyes were open, but he saw nothing. He couldn't see where he was going. He was helpless on his own. And the only way that he could make it would be to submit. And we're right there with him. It might not be outwardly obvious. We might look like we have it all together. We might enjoy the approval of others, even appear to be successful. But if our family's schedules are controlled by teens and our values are being shaped by the media, if the career path that we're following is being driven by money or title, then the blind are leading the blind. We're being led in our lives by people who can't see, and the only place that that can end is the ditch. One day we'll all be forced to face that. We'll come up against something that we can't handle on our own. Or we'll get to where we were always climbing and then realize it's still not enough. That there's still something in our lives that's missing. If we choose to stay in darkness to keep our wicked deeds from being exposed, or if we remain so confident that we see that we fail to acknowledge our guilt, our need, For God's mercy, for his help, our need for God to change us, it will catch up with us. One day we will reap what we sow, unless we see Jesus. Confronted with who Jesus really was, not who Saul thought he was, or who the religious authorities said he was, but who he really and truly is, knocked Saul down. It exposed his blindness and forced him to come to grips with it. And while what happened to Saul was unique, the risen Savior appearing to him last of all, as though he'd been born at the wrong time from the rest of the apostles, we can all be changed.
by truly encountering Jesus. Because for many of us, he isn't who we think he is. He's more than a baby in a manger or a man on a cross. Believing in him is more than just expressing we really do think he's God's son, so maybe he'll take us to heaven someday when we die. Following him is more than just coming to church to memorize some facts about him. Jesus is Lord. And because he gave his sinless life as a sacrifice for our sins, fulfilling millennia worth of scripture in the process, because he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death once and for all, because he reigns at God's right hand and is coming back to destroy sin and death completely, Truly seeing that, truly seeing Him, changes everything. It's more than just learning the right way to organize a church or to conduct a Sunday morning worship service. It's more than just being a good person or meeting some minimum requirements. Jesus wants nothing less than to open our eyes so that we may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that we may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in, by our loyalty to Him. But we have to submit. We have to realize that we're blind and we need Jesus. Instead of feeling like we've got it all under control, Instead of limiting ourselves to think that now's as good as it's going to get, we need to truly believe that Jesus can do more. If we really want to see with our eyes and hear with our ears and understand with our hearts and be healed, we have to turn to humble ourselves to truly want God to lead us. For Saul, that meant instead of storming into Damascus with authority, he was being led. Instead of punishing others for their perceived errors, it meant disciplining himself. Praying and fasting for three days as he sought to know what God truly desired from him. And we can do the same. Instead of demanding our way, we can humbly seek God's way. Instead of asking God to bless our plans, we can pray and fast, asking God to show us what to do next, to lead us where He wants us to be. Because then He will. In Acts chapter 9, continuing verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise. And go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. 
For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately... Something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them down before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. You probably already know this story. It's the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Saul, the persecutor of the church, became who we know as Paul. Christ's apostle to the Gentiles, inspired author of 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, a huge stone in the church's foundation. Yet instead of simply retelling the story of Christ sending him Ananias to restore his sight and baptize him, I'd like for us to spend our last few minutes learning something about vision. You see, sometimes... We get so fixated on the miraculous elements of events like this in the history of the early church. We get fixated on whether or not those things still happen that we completely miss our own need for vision from the Lord. Because how did this episode with Ananias begin? And the Lord said to him, in a vision. Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. The vision was simply the means through which Ananias received the word of Christ. Man, I wish we had a way that we could hear what Christ says. Oh, wait. We do. You see, true vision doesn't come from our own ideas or creativity. It comes from Christ. It's born when a disciple, a completely devoted follower of Jesus, hears what Jesus says and humbly responds, Here I am. They hear and do. What Jesus says. And while we might like to hear Jesus' voice audibly say, Ask her out. Accept that job. Wear that top. No, not that one. The red one. When from God's word, we're learning who Jesus is. 
what matters to him, how he sees people, how he lives life. And then we humbly respond, here I am, Lord. Help me think like you do. Lead me to do what you want done. He will. He will show us possibilities for our relationships and careers, for our community and congregation, so much greater than anything that we'd come up with on our own. Because a vision from Christ will acknowledge reality and then change it. It was a plain statement of fact that Saul of Tarsus was blind and praying at the house of Judas on Straight Street. Vision from Christ saw that, but then he saw what that could be. Sometimes our vision is divorced from reality. We have these hopes and dreams for ourselves, but no sense of how to achieve them, much less a willingness to do what it takes. Other times, we only see what is right in front of us and can't imagine anything different. Well, it's always been like that. Well, that's just how it is. It'll never be any different. But vision from Christ sees reality. It sees it more clearly and recognizes what could be as God's great power is unleashed on it. Immeasurable power at work toward and through us who believe. But a vision from Christ carries risk. Moving from where we are to where we could be is scary. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. Lots of people who might do evil pursuing a vision from Christ can be dangerous. Saul had the authority to publicly beat Ananias, arrest him, and bring him back to Jerusalem. He had the authority and the history. He'd done exactly that quite a few times before. For most people, speaking to Saul just wouldn't be worth the risk. We just like guarantees. We only want to do something when we know it'll work out the way we want it to. Yet Christ gives us a vision to do risky things, trusting Him to work it out. That's what made Ananias able to go. Jesus assured Ananias not of Saul's character, but of His own purpose. And pursuit of Christ's purpose can lead us to do all kinds of crazy things. Now Ananias got to see the fruit right away. But it doesn't always work like that. It might take years. The fruit of our efforts might not be obvious in our own lifetimes. We may even glorify Christ through our suffering, like Saul one day would. But when Christ is our vision, we know all things will ultimately work together for good. It certainly did for Saul. Because Ananias went where Jesus sent him, and Saul's prayers were answered. He regained his sight, and he didn't wait 
immediately he rose and was baptized, washing away his sins as he called on Jesus' name. The name of the Lord. But it didn't stop there because Jesus had a vision for Saul's whole life. One that took who he was, that background, training, and talent, and gave it a new purpose, one far beyond simply being the Jewish council's spear. He is a chosen instrument of mine, Christ said, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now all of that didn't happen right away. First, there was a decade in his life that we just don't know much about before things really started to get into gear. It would be almost 30 years after this before some of Christ's vision ultimately came to pass. When Saul, as Paul, would be Christ's witness before kings like Agrippa and even Rome Caesar himself. But Saul didn't wait Because vision wasn't so much about supernaturally predicting the future as it was deciding to work with God to make the future a reality. So breaking his fast with a good meal and being strengthened, Saul got to work. He started hanging out with the disciples in Damascus, the same folks he'd originally come to arrest. Then he started proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God and it really meant something. It meant something because of who he was. Because of his previous standing with the chief priests and the havoc that he had made for those who followed Jesus. Because of his knowledge of and love for the scriptures, which he now used so well to prove that Jesus was really the Christ. Saul was no longer blind. Jesus had become the new vision for his life. He'd given Saul a good fight to go fight. He had laid out a race for him to run, and Saul was ready to run it. Not out of confidence in himself, but confidence in Jesus. Knowing that he had a crown of righteousness awaiting him. Saul could lose a lot of what had given him confidence in the past, and know that it was all worth it for the sake of gaining Christ for being in a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus, for not only knowing Him and the power of His resurrection, but to have the hope of one day sharing in it. Is Christ your vision? He is alive. Which means He is Lord. And not just after death, Or just on Sunday mornings. He has a purpose for your entire life. A bigger, bolder, dare I say it, riskier purpose. But one so much more meaningful. So much more joyful than anything that we come up with for ourselves or each other. Use this moment to take stock. How have you been blind? What were the things that you did with the best of intentions? But they turned out to be wrong. Is there sin that you know you're guilty of, but you've been keeping it in the dark? Or are you someone that's been so sure you're right, 
that you fail to ask Jesus to help you truly see. We're blind without Jesus. Let's humble ourselves now and seek His purpose for our lives. His purpose for our education and talents, for our families and careers. His purpose for our congregation. Instead of relying on ourselves, on our own ideas and creativity, let's make Christ our vision. When Christ is our vision, then we'll acknowledge reality with all of its present difficulties, but then we'll work to change it by God's power. We'll take risks. Sometimes we'll even suffer. But we'll do so knowing where it will ultimately lead because we're being led by Jesus. And if Jesus hasn't been leading you, why do you wait? Rise right now and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on His name.